1 Corinthians chapter 12, it says, Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagan, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. If you're taking notes, write those two words down, common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another... A message of knowledge by the means of the same spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit. And he distributes them, each one, just as he determines. They are the work of of the one, the same Spirit. This is the Spirit of God. These are not the full representation of the Spirit. These are manifestations of the different aspects of the Spirit. And He distributes them, each one, just as He determines. But they all come from the same Spirit. The source is the same. And if the source is the same, the, the outcome or the result should be very, very similar. And the Bible says that these gifts are given for the common good of the body. These are not given so that we can serve ourselves or even make a living off of them. There was a man named Simon the Sorcerer in the book of Acts who saw the gift of healing taking place and people being filled with the Holy Spirit. And he wanted to actually buy the gift of the Spirit. And the apostles look at him and say, hey, you can't have this because you're of a different spirit. So you can't, you can't get this through evil spirits. You can't get this through, you know, uh, um, a worldly spirit. This all comes through the Holy Spirit. And the outcome is the common good of the body of Christ. That's what they're for. So, Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your word. And we ask over these moments we have together that you would speak clearly to us. Thank you for the opportunity to gather today. Thank you for the place that we get to call home, this church building, but church is more than a building. It's the body of Christ, and we thank you for the body of Christ today and what you want to do in our lives as you give us and use us and you stir up through even the preaching of your word, the spiritual gifts that are in our life. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. First of all, I need to address something because I I didn't really even think about this because of the type of church we are. Uh, We are a church that has always, we're 38 years old now, we have always believed in the gifts of the Spirit, the operating of the gifts of the Spirit, not just in church, but in your home and on the job and out in the streets where these things are really meant to make a difference. Not every gift needs to be used with a microphone in your hand and on a stage. These gifts really make a difference, mainly most of the time in one-on-one conversation, small group conversation. And so I wanted to talk to you about this because I wanted to, I wanted you to see how these gifts translate to the gym and to the dinner table, you know? And so we want to talk about that, but I also want to address something because I think 
there might be some people in the room who maybe come from a denomination or background that believes that the gifts that God distributed here uh, in the book of Acts and Paul talks about here in 1 Corinthians have ceased. They're no longer in operation. They are no longer of use to the body of Christ. That there was this initial outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the believers in and around that day were familiar with those gifts, but those gifts actually stopped and now we don't use the gifts of the Spirit. In other words, there's no more prophecy. There are no more words of knowledge. There's no more gifts of healing, no more miracles and all of that kind of thing. And so what they have done is in order to, to explain their dry religion, they have, they have said we don't, these things don't happen anymore because this, that's the only way we can explain why church is so dry. <laughs> oh, but man, we don't believe that. We believe that the gifts of God are still active. And one of the reasons when you come in here and you feel something different is because the Holy Spirit is welcome in this place. So scripture nowhere teaches that the gifts have ceased. In fact, we have implicit evidence that they will continue until Jesus returns. 1 Corinthians 13, 8 through 12 says this. It says, love never fails, but if there are gifts of prophecy... They will be done away. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there is knowledge, it will be done away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away with. In other words, the perfect, the only one who's perfect is Jesus. And so we are waiting on the return of Jesus. Because right now, even when we prophesy, it's just in part. Even when we are healed, it is just in part. It is not the ultimate healing that is salvation and heaven and eternity with God. In other words, what he's saying is even, even though Lazarus was healed, Lazarus still eventually died. Right? So it's, it's in part. It's not in full. And so he says we will still prophesy and all of these things will be happen until the perfect Comes. He says, when I was a child, I used to speak like a child, think like a child, reason like a child. When I became a man, I did away with childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now we know in part, but then we will know fully, just as I have also been fully known. So when will the gift cease? The gifts will cease when the perfect comes, when we see him face to face, and we know everything fully. 1 Corinthians 1, 4 through 9 Says this. In other words, that's that's also good news for people who think that in this life you're supposed to know the reason that everything happened to you. Right now, all you know is part of the story. You don't know the whole story. And so if somebody comes and they say, you know, I know the exact reason why this happened to you, they they might know part of the story, but they don't know the whole story. And so 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 for some of us, we need to give up on the pursuit of knowing. Every reason why things are happening in our lives. Because the Bible tells us that we really only know, even when, it's, even when it comes to prophecy, it's just part of the story. It's not the whole thing. So let me give you some other, another verse for this. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 4 through 9. He says, I always thank my God for you of, uh, because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. For in him you have been enriched in every way. With all kinds of speech, with all kinds of knowledge, God thus confirming our testimony about Christ among you. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for the Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. So we are given spiritual gifts until Christ is revealed when he comes again. He will also keep you firm to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of the Lord Jesus. God is faithful who has called you into fellowship 
with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. So if the gifts are active today, and Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 14 that we should eagerly desire the gifts. And I think one of the things we must understand is the reasoning behind the gifts. What are the gifts actually for? And that would be what I like to call the principles of the gifts. One of, my, one of my friends describes a principle like this. He says, principles are rules of operation for a thing that come from the creator of that thing that ensure the protection, pers- uh, preservation, and productivity of that thing. Right? So a principle is a rule of operation for a thing that comes from the creator of that thing to ensure the protection and the preservation or the productivity of that thing. Because wherever principles are ignored, abuse is inevitable. Right. And so there are a few reasons why people don't operate in the gifts of the spirit. One, they don't believe they're still available to us today. Two, they just don't know. Some people are are just ignorant, ignorant. (laughs) The word ignorant is not a cuss word. (laughs) Somebody came to me the other day and they were their kid was in one of the services and they said, you said ignorant a couple times. And my kid kept looking at me and said, Mama, that's a cuss word. (laughs) And it's not it's not a cuss word. I promise you. It just means that you're uninformed. It's not a bad word. It just means you don't know. And there are some people that just don't know. And so through this teaching, we're trying to inform people because, then again, remember, Paul said, I don't want you to be uninformed about this. I don't want you to be ignorant of these things. So some people don't use them because they don't believe they're in operation. Some people don't use them because they don't understand. They don't know. They're ignorant. Some people don't use them because the way they've always seen them done in the church setting, again, it doesn't translate to their job, to their gym, to their, to their dinner table. And maybe another reason people haven't been operating in the spiritual gifts is because they, the way people have used them, it makes them undesirable. And Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians 14. He talks about the gifts being used out of order. In other words, he's saying to this group of people, he's like, yeah, you're operating in the gifts. He's not challenging the validity of their gift. He's challenging how they are using their gift. Right? So he comes in and he says, hey, if you act like this, people are going to come in and think you're wild, think you're out of control, think you don't know what you're talking about. But God is not the author of confusion. He is the God of peace, he says. He's a God of peace, and so maybe you have seen the gifts in operation, but you saw them out of order, and because of that, they weren't desirable to you. And so I want to I talk to you a little bit about what the gifts are, are for. I want to talk to you about the gift of discernment today because I want you to see how it, how it operates in order and how it's a benefit to your life and how that if you will, if you will, If you will put your confidence in a God who gives his people and uses people to impact your life, your life could change in so many different ways. Because so much of what God wants to do to to you and through you and in your life is through the gifts of the Spirit. Remember I told you last week, most of the stuff that God wants to say to you about you, he doesn't even say to you. Sometimes he says it to other people. And unless you are in the community, unless you're connected to the church, then some of the things that you need to hear God say to you, you won't hear God say to you if you are disconnected from the body. Can somebody say amen? Amen. All right. So these are the principles, the rules of operation for a thing that come from the creator of that thing to ensure the protection, the preservation, and productivity of that thing. And this is important because most of the time our our prayers being answered are through the gifts of the spirit through the manifestation of the spirit um and this is important because 
when Paul talks in 1 Corinthians 14, he's talking about the misuse of the gifts. He's talking about the, the disorder that the gifts can bring into the church if they are not used properly. Here's the thing you have to understand, because, because the gifts of God, the Bible teaches, are without repentance. The gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. That means, in other words, that, that the gifts can be used by someone who is not right with God. That's why the Bible says so much about false prophets. We wouldn't have to worry about false prophets if they didn't have some sort of validity to their ministry, to their ideology, to their teaching, to their philosophy. That's why Mark tells us you got to beware of false prophets. In Mark chapter 12, 13, verse 22, he says, For false Christs and false prophets will, will arise. And what will they do? He says they will perform signs and wonders to lead people astray, if possible, even the elect. That's you and I, people who have given their life to Jesus. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says this. He says in Matthew 7, 15 and 16, he says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. He says you will recognize them by their fruit. I love that Jesus says you'll know them by their fruit and not their gifts. Because even false prophets, even wolves, can perform signs and wonders. Even false prophets can prophesy. You're not just a false prophet because you miss, you miss, in other words, you predict something will happen and it doesn't happen. That is false prophecy. But very often the church is, is led astray because we follow false prophets who get it right. Oh, man. And just because somebody can get it right and somebody can perform a sign and a wonder doesn't mean they come from God. That's why you have to understand the principles of the gifts. What is the fruit of the gift? Because you can, you can, you can use the gift and use it in a way that functions. So you can, you can use prophecy and get it right but not use it according to scripture. Paul says about prophecy, he says, when someone prophesies according to the spirit, the, the way you know it's biblical prophecy, the way you know it's from God, he says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, he says that it is for the strengthening, the encouraging, and the comfort of the body. I've met people who are prophetic and they use that gift to expose people. I remember when I was growing up, I was always afraid of prophets. I didn't want to go to those meetings where someone who was prophetic, I didn't want to be there because I was afraid they were going to read my mind. They would know everything I had ever done, and they would call me out and tell the whole church where I was last night. Come on, somebody. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. You don't even come to church sometimes because you're afraid the preacher's going to talk about what you did last night. But, man, I grew up in a day where they would point you out and call you up and read your mail and tell the whole church what you did. That's a false prophet. Oh, man, because that is not the spirit of prophecy. The spirit of prophecy is for exhortation, comfort, come on, strengthening of the body. It's not to expose you. I know what you did last summer, you know. <laughs> That's not what it's for. Oh, man, this is helpful. This is going to help you because if, if, 
if you understand the, the fruit of the spiritual gifts, then they will be desirable to you. Oh, you'll, you'll, you'll want them. And this is important because our, our potential is tied to our knowledge and implementation of principles. This is what wisdom is. Hosea 4 and 6 says, My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Ignorance is expensive. Some of, some of y'all, let's be honest, some of y'all over the past three years got caught up in the online prophets who were predicting election outcomes. And missed it. And they're still trying to (laughs) create some sort of way in which what they said works out. A false prophet doesn't just miss it. A false prophet, the reason they miss it is because they say something God never said. And all you have to do is go and look at the spirit of the prophet. Many of the prophets that said they were prophesying that certain people were going to win certain elections were also saying that God was going to kill people. That's not the spirit. That's Jesus himself, his own disciples. There was a group of people in a town that rejected Jesus. His own disciples said, do you want us to call fire down from heaven and kill all of these people because they're rejecting you? Jesus said, you don't know what spirit you are of. So any prophet that says he's talking from heaven and he's saying something God said and he's talking about God murdering people. It's not God. Oh, man. Okay. So the gifts are given. Number one, they're given for the manifestation of the Spirit. This is the most important part that we have to recognize because if we don't get this right, we'll miss everything else about the gifts. The the manifestation of the Spirit is is basically, at its core, the way God expresses Himself to humanity. Remember in the Old Testament, Moses, God says to Moses, He says, listen, I want to give the people water. Moses is angry with the people. And the Bible says that he goes to this rock that he was supposed to speak to. And he hits the rock in anger. And the Bible says that after he did this, God came to him and he said, Moses, you will not enter into the promised land because you did not represent me correctly in front of the people. I didn't want them to see an angry God who beats a rock to get water out of it. I wanted them to see a loving and compassionate God who can speak to it. Oh, man, this is important because if we don't get the, the how God wants to express himself to humanity right, then we will get the gift wrong. And we will not get purpose right. I told you this last week. We cannot get our purpose right if we are getting gifts wrong. 
Because so much of our purpose, it's intrinsically connected to the gifts that God gives. These are, the gifts that God gives are supernatural abilities above and beyond your own natural ability or your own acquired skills or your own education. These are things that cannot be taught to you in a classroom. In other words, we're going to talk about this. The gift of tongues is not speaking foreign languages. That's Rosetta Stone, not the Holy Spirit. Okay, <laughs> so if I don't understand the result of the gift, the purpose of the gift, if I don't understand the expression of the gift, then I'll get the gift wrong. We have to understand that the gifts are a manifestation. They are an expression of how God says, when I want to talk to a person and I want to use you, this is how, this is from the tone to the expression on my face. Come on, Moses, to, to how you speak to the rock versus hitting the rock. They got the same result. Got the same result. And it's not that people who use gifts wrong won't get results. You can use the gift of prophecy wrong. I found out you can use the gift of prophecy wrong and build a YouTube channel with hundreds of thousands of followers. But just because, just because people are watching and tuning in and subscribing doesn't mean it's right. Okay, the manifestation of the gift is so important. This is, and, and I've seen so many people reject the gifts of the Spirit because of the way they have seen people who were gifted by the Spirit use those gifts. Whether it's a gift to, the, the Bible tells us in Ephesians that the gifts of the, that God gives gifts to the church, pastors, apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists. He gives these gifts to build up the church. But so often these gifts are used to control people and manipulate people and abuse people and push people. And, and when you shepherd people, you lead people. You're not pushing people. You're, you're leading them. That's why the shepherd always goes out front. But if you're, if you're a crazy shepherd, an out-of-order shepherd, then you, you beat the sheep and you push the sheep. And I've seen so many people with a pastoral gift, a shepherding gift, use that to control and manipulate people. So many people have left church because pastors and leaders have used their gift out of order. That's why people are so even just apprehensive about giving to churches today. Because for so many years, people who were supposed to accurately express the manifestation of the Spirit to the people of God used that expression to control people and manipulate people and make them think that if God was, if you didn't give to God, He was going to curse your life. Jesus took the curse. And so it's, 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 a, false, it's a false spirit. It's a, it's, it's, a, it's a gift that is used out of order that pushes people away from the gifts of the spirit. Pastors controlling what people wear. Controlling what they do in the privacy of their own home, telling them where they can't go, getting up and ranting about things that are none of their business. Wow. It's, it's <laughs> so we have to get the, the, the expression right. You have to get the expression right. Let me give you a second thought. There, he said they're for the common good of the body. That literally just means for someone's benefit. 
1 Peter 4, 10 through 11 says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. The only person you should walk out of the place celebrating and honoring and worshiping and talking about is Jesus. So the result of prophecy is, right, 1 Corinthians 14, 3, strengthening, encouraging, comfort. Remember, I, I don't think I said this in the early services last week. I said this in third. We had a little bit more time. I said, remember, a false prophet is not just someone who gets a prophecy wrong, but someone who says something God did not say. As a parent, you can be a false prophet when you tell your kids they'll never be anything. Because God doesn't say that. All right. Let me talk to you a little bit about the gift of discernment in the next four minutes, apparently. Okay. I was talking to a friend one time, and they were acting like I didn't understand them because I hadn't, you know, struggled with some of the stuff they'd struggled with, gone through some of the things they had went through. They acted like my whole life experiences were irrelevant because... My parents were still married. And we were talking one day, and I was, I was trying to help him. And, and he said, man, you just don't know what life is like for me. You don't live, he said, he said you don't live in the real world. And I thought about that for a minute. I thought, that's interesting, isn't it? I don't live in the real world. So I thought, for some reason, my world was some sort of fantasy world that wasn't real. And so... Throughout my life, I've had to battle the mindset of anything positive not being real. <laughs> you know how everybody's like, you're about to get married, and they're like, man, that first year of marriage sucks. It's just, if you can get through that first year, it's the worst. And Monica and I got married, and our first year was amazing. And I'm like, what are all these people talking about? What are you talking about? Like, I, it's, it's, this, it's this, anything that is real has this negative connotation to it. It's got this negative bend to it. Uh, you know, that's not real life. It's, it, and it's always, the reality of life is, is, real life is always about the struggle. It's always about my problems. It's always about my addictions. It's always about the bad stuff. Nobody ever says, I'm just keeping it real and says something positive. You know, you're awesome. I'm just keeping it real, man. No, nobody ever says that. Nobody ever goes, I'm just saying, and says something nice after that. I'm just telling it like it is, and then says something great. <laughs> keeping it real is never positive. It's a mindset that anything good isn't real. And we do this in life and in church. If it isn't hellfire and brimstone and God killing people and judging the world and hating everybody that I hate, it must not be true. Some preachers will tell you, I can't believe you go to church over there. They must, that church must be so big because they're not speaking the truth over there. Because somehow speaking the truth means you're small and you're not growing. I hear pastors tell me all the time, man, people don't come to my church because they just don't want to hear the truth anymore. And I'm like, no, it's not that, bro. People just don't want to hear you. 
It's not that. People love truth. Like if you can get me to the truth, I want that. <laughs> if it's growing, it must be compromising. If it's healthy, it must not be telling the truth. So the meaner it is, the harsher it is, that's real. And we take that mindset and we apply that same mindset to the gifts. So we see prophecy is this always calling people out. We see the gift of discernment as the ability to criticize, to be paranoid, to be suspicious or complain. But your inability to trust people is not the gift of discernment. That's bitterness. So let's talk about this for three more minutes. The gift of discernment of spirits, the ability to see the disposition or influence which fills and covers the soul of a person or a teaching or a message. The source of it's it's being able to see the source of any power, affection, emotion, or desire. It's being able to look at a person and determine why they are there and where they came from and who sent them. It's the ability to see whether or not a message or a person is from the Spirit of God or from the world or from Satan. Again, it's not the gift of criticism, paranoia, suspicion, or the ability to complain. Because to operate in this gift, you must be free of unforgiveness, bitterness, jealousy, and envy. Hebrews 12, 14 through 15 says, Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. He's not saying without holiness because it's talking about personal holiness there. Whenever there is a command to be holy, it's talking about your personal holiness. It's not talking about imputed righteousness, holiness that comes from God as a gift. It's talking about your personal lifestyle. Whenever he says be holy. He's challenging you in your lifestyle. He says, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. He's not saying without holiness, no one will get into heaven. Because we don't get into heaven because of our own personal holiness. We get into heaven because of God's imputed righteousness through Christ Jesus. But what does happen when we live right, he says, without holiness, no one will be able to see the Lord. Our life is a reflection of God. And so when people look at us, if they don't see holy living, they won't be able to see a holy God. That's what he's saying. So in other words, if there is is jealousy in my life, unforgiveness, bitterness, envy, then people will not be able to see the Lord when I use my gift. And if I'm jealous and bitter and envious, then I'm operating in the flesh and not through the spirit, and I start to see life through the lens of my pain and my experiences. That is not the spirit of God. My experience and the spirit of God are not the same thing. Because this gift, remember, this gift is not just to recognize the, nev- the negative. Remember, the purpose of even the discerning of spirits is for the common good. It's to build up the body of Christ. Hebrews twelve fifteen says, watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows and defiles many so can we stop calling bitterness discernment stop calling jealousy discernment how about when you say I'm just saying go ahead and go and add to that I'm just sinning 
and you have the gift of discernment, your discernment is biblical. Hebrews 4 and 12 says this, For the word of God is alive and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. A true discerner, listen to me, is going to be able to pinpoint the problem directly. It's not this vague, you know, I just don't get a good feeling about this. How many people have used that to make judgments about people that they just had a personality conflict with? I had this friend who was in my life, and every time a new friend would come into my life, they'd tell me, you know, I just don't feel good about that person. You know, just something off about that person. And I'm like, you just are clashing with that person's personality. There's a level of jealousy here that's causing you to see something negative in everybody else. But here's the problem. It becomes personal and not spiritual. It becomes preference and not biblical principle. You know, I just don't know if I like this church. You know, I just don't, I just, something just off about it. You know, well, what is it? Well, you know, I'm not really sure about the music. Oh, man, that's preference. I don't like how that pastor dresses. Ah, that's preference. Where in the Bible, sir, does it say I have to wear a suit and a tie? Well, you know, Jesus, Jesus didn't wear a suit and a tie, by the way. <laughs> Jesus would have shown so much skin up here, it would have been uncomfortable for a lot of y'all. At least my arms are covered. And my feet, thank God, my toes are covered. Because <laughs> if you're not careful, all of your life experience will turn your interactions with people personal and they will become preferential instead of principled and spiritual. Let me give you a couple of principles. Confidence looks like arrogance to insecure people. So some people that you have a problem with, it's not that there's something wrong with them, it's that you're insecure and their confidence is exposing your insecurity. Some things could just be a personality clash. And sometimes the pride in you is agitated by the confidence in somebody else. Because they are free from the opinion of people and you're not. So what we are calling discernment very often is just a wound that causes us to see life a certain way. And we have to get back to biblical discernment. Because again, remember, the expression of the gift must be pure for the fruit of the gift to be what it's supposed to be. And the fruit of the gifts of the Spirit are to build people up, not to be like, man, I don't feel good about that person. Eh, I don't know. So what's the point about not feeling good about them if there's no opportunity to build them up. And remember, again, it's not going to be some general, you know, I just don't know. It's going to be specific. God is not going to give you some sort of generality. That's what condemnation does. Condemnation speaks in generalities. Convic conviction speaks in absolutes. Specifics. <laughs>